Good morning. It is Thursday, February 9th. It is six minutes after 11, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Twitter had a very big day yesterday. They were in the news a lot. Uh, They were down. Big power outage for all Twitter users. Elon Musk was trying to upgrade a feature at one point and said, nope, let's just keep the stability of the product going, put the upgrade on pause. And now it's being said that Twitter Blue users are uh, able to tweet out at least 4,000 characters. So what's, a, what's a Twitter blue? It's an upgrade. You have to you pay, pay for, for it. it. Yeah, oh. and if you do that, you can tweet more. Is there any anything that would make you pay for Twitter? Like, I can't see anything that I would pay to use Twitter for. I don't have a problem paying for Twitter. I don't understand why so many people think that it should be a free product. Oh, I, don't, I don't have a problem with them pay, charging. I don't mm-hmm. care. What I'm just saying is there's nothing that I would pay to do. I'm not like some person that says they shouldn't make money wherever they can make money if it's a private company and if mm-hmm. you don't want to engage in it then you don't have to engage in it. But right. I'm saying I'm just saying like if they came to me tomorrow and said you're going to have to pay for Twitter mm-hmm. or we're going to shut your account down. You'd be okay letting it go. Yeah, I mean just because I just use it to annoy people. Right. It I think it really depends on how much and I could just up my game charge. here when it comes to annoying people. You so. know, I recently learned that the blue check mark that a lot of people do pay to get. Uh-huh. I think that if you select to receive ads, uh-huh. you can also get the blue check mark that way. So instead of paying, you just have to watch a 15 or 30 I, second I, commercial. I, I don't understand the obsession with any of this, right? Like, I mean, I just, so it, I just, like, the blue check mark, so what? Mm-hmm. I've ne- we've talked about this before. Yeah. So what? You don't you don't need to be verified. Have you ever thought, <laughs> like, I'm going to ignore what this person says, and then you're like, oh, wait, but they have a blue check mark. Mm-hmm. I'll probably listen to them. I think it's probably pretty good for businesses to make sure that this is the official oh, account. Oh, like to say, uh, this is the and official Coca-Cola right, Twitter account. Like, this isn't someone hacking us or acting like they're us and putting yeah. out you know, nefarious stuff. Because even when it was like you just had to submit your driver's license or whatever to get the Twitter blue check back in the old days, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even go to do that because one, I didn't want them having my driver's license. Right. And two, it was like, what difference does it make? At Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. Mm-hmm. By the way, Casey, speaking of at Rob M. Kendall on Twitter, yeah. uh, a dear friend of mine who is somewhat prominent in local politics, who I will not name because I don't want this person to be outed as having publicly associated with me, the threat of tar and feathering and everything else that comes with that. But he did send me a fabulous piece that is now available for you at Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. And I would like all the mean, angry people who called the voicemail line screaming at me about having the audacity to call Social Security entitlements because Mm -hmm. you're entitled entitled to them at a certain age and then having the audacity to be honest with you and say it's running out of money and it's not going to be here for Kev. I have posted the chart Mm -hmm. on the the prediction on when uh, Social Security will indeed run out of money. If you'd like to see that, uh, at Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. It's not far off, Casey. Oh, I'll have to go check that so, out. So, Casey, you may be hitting the panic button uh, as well. <laughs> Let's hope not. You can find me on Twitter at Casey Daniels 317 So, the House Oversight Chairman, James Comer, he launched this investigation into the Biden family's business dealings, and Twitter is involved with this in the wake of Elon Musk releasing internal communications from the Twitter staff about 
about the decision to block the New York Post laptop from hell story. Yes, and obviously they had a big old hearing yesterday. We've played you clips all throughout the day today. Mm-hmm. This was a pretty interesting back and forth. So Lisa McLean, uh, she is, or McAllen, I'm sorry, she is a, a state, a U.S. rep, a Republican from Michigan, and this was a little back and forth she had with Yoel Roth, Y-O-E-L, I love to say the name Yoel Roth. Uh, He was the former head of safety at Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was about how he and James Baker, who was the former legal counsel for the federal government, Mm -hmm. who then switched over to Twitter. Right. And then that was like right before the election about how often they met with the federal government and about uh, and this was. They met with the federal government about misinformation. And this blew my mind, Casey. Like, this wasn't random meetings they would have. Here he says, at least in his case, once a week. Um, Mr. Roth, um, you're familiar with the reports that the Biden administration was considering establishing a disinformation governance board under the Department of Homeland Security. I am aware of public reporting about that, yes. Thank you. And that board was never established, correct? That's my understanding. That is correct. It seems to me that the federal government had far more powerful disinformation governance board in its relationship with Twitter. Again, Mr. Roth, um, question, how often did you, uh, how often were you meeting with people from the federal government while you were at Twitter? Weekly, daily, monthly? I would estimate somewhere between weekly and monthly. Okay. And were you aware that Mr. Baker was also taking these meetings with the federal um, government as well? I was not aware of Mr. Baker's calendar, no. So you had no idea that he was meeting? There was no inner, you just worked in silos? I mean, Mr. Baker and I were in some of the same meetings together, but no, I did not know the ins and outs of what he was doing. Okay. What did you understand Mr. Baker's role to be at Twitter besides offering general legal advice? Mr. Baker supervised the primary legal team that advised the trust and safety team. He was the supervisor of the supervisor of the attorneys who advised my team. So, wow. So, that was like four levels. Oh, the supervisor of the supervisor of the legal team that supervised. This is and this is everything, right, Casey? Because you have the guy admitting, at least from him, him personally, that on the regular you had a media, a mega media apparatus who was meeting with the federal government and they were working in cahoots together on what should or should not be shown on their media platform. That's the first thing. Then he wants you to believe, Mm -hmm. while he's taking the heat, because he can't lie his way out of it for him, that he has no idea what this guy, who then he kind of admits, yeah, he was in a bunch of these meetings, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how often he was meeting, but I wouldn't really know, even though he was like the boss of the boss of the boss of the boss, right? Does anybody believe any of that? (laughs) It's total, let me summarize this for you. There was total coordination between uh, nameless, faceless bureaucrats inside the federal government Mm -hmm. working with Twitter Mm -hmm. to stymie and stifle information being presented to you that would look negatively on Joe Biden so that he could win a presidential election. Period. We're done here. Yep. Okay, so who got played here? Did the FBI get played? Did Twitter get played? I mean, we know the American people got played. Well, there's your answer. Because the F- the FBI uh, the, or the federal government uh, and Twitter certainly wanted, or the mm-hmm. people inside the federal government and Twitter. They wanted to help Biden they in wanted, 2020. And it worked. Yeah. Okay, uh, real quick. I wanted to play this because Marjorie Taylor Greene really annoys me. And I'm not just saying she annoys me because she appears to 
desperately want to have a very close interpersonal relationship with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> she also annoys me because she gave that stupid interview where she was whining about how little money she made mm-hmm. being in Congress. And now she annoys me because she wore that stupid $500 coat. And now she annoys me because she turns this hearing into it me, be- me, 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 being me. all about her. Go. You know, Elon Musk took over Twitter and he banned 44,000 accounts that were promoting child porn. You permanently banned my Twitter account, but you allowed child, child porn all over Twitter. Twitter had become a platform, you said, connecting queer young adults. You also wrote on Twitter in 2010, can high school students ever meaningfully consent to sex with their teachers? In 2021, while you were the director of trust and safety on Twitter, an underage boy and his mother announced a lawsuit against Twitter because because Twitter was benefiting from and refused to remove a lewd video featuring this boy and another minor. That is repulsive. But you violated me. What What were my tweets? Okay, let's talk about them. I was talking about the deaths being reported on VAERS. By the way, that's on the CDC website. I was also saying that I didn't think the in- any entity should enforce a non-DA, non-FDA approved vaccine or mask. Guess what? A lot of people agreed with me, but you called that COVID misinformation. By the way, I'm a member of Congress and you're not. I also said the controversial COVID-19 vaccines should not be forced on our military. You want to know something? Republicans stop that in the NDAA. Ladies, time has expired. That was the best part of that whole clip. Ladies, time has expired. You're done here. I mean, she does have a point, though. Well, she does, but she could have made the same point without making it about About her. her. Yeah. And it seems like with this lady, everything is about her. Okay, so these former Twitter execs, they said that the removal of the Hunter Biden laptop story was a mistake. And But at the same time, okay, that was a mistake. Yep, we shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, they're saying, but we didn't violate any First Amendment as a private company. So talking out of both sides of their mouth. And it's like, this is a hearing, right? Aren't they supposed to be asking questions, investigating? Instead, MTG just took it as an opportunity just to yell at him All right, and Casey, how wrong she was. When we come back, yeah. Biden gave an interview yesterday with PBS, mm. and we, well, we have to play some Are of we it. going back to 1974? We absolutely are going to go, as the uh, famous uh, band once said, we're going to go back, Jack, do it again. Okay. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. minutes after 11. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. A couple stories that are trending this morning. Bill Gates apparently has found new love with Paula Hurd. She is the widow widow of the Oracle CEO who's worth about $500 million. So. You, know, you know it's always it's the rich people that end up together. Like yeah. They never end up with some person who works at a Walmart or something. Well, didn't, didn't Bill Gates' ex do that? 
and then it didn't last. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You see, the key part there was didn't last, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's amazing how look, and you love whoever you want to love and be with whoever you want to be with, and I'm never one to judge, but it's just amazing how love really seems to be dependent upon income with some people. Yeah, they've got all this money. You you'd think maybe they could spread it around just a little bit. Also trending is Jim Irsay. He says that a coaching announcement announcement for the Colts is set to come within days. Oh sure, right? Does anybody care at this point? Who the coach is? Yeah. I think the players probably I do. I mean, you do, but do they? I mean, they have been at this since the middle of the freaking season, mm-hmm. and they are going to be the last team or next to last at best to name a coach. Boy, nothing instills confidence like it taking 93 weeks to pick a head coach. Who's the other team that doesn't have a coach right now? Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Okay, 21 minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey, and uh, so let's talk about this interview that Joe Biden had. Yes. So he was on PBS. This must have came out late last night because I'd already finished the template by the time they started uh, rolling in. And I just said there were a couple of clips that we just absolutely had to play. Mm -hmm. And he gets asked about the classified documents, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, Casey, we're going to hear the audio so we can all hear it together. He's saying these documents are from all the way back in 1974. Take a listen. Oh, okay. I guess Kevin doesn't have those ready yet. Well, anyway, you're going to hear here in just a second that he's going to say that these classified documents Mm -hmm. that he took go all the way back to 1974. Well, if indeed that is the case, Mm -hmm. then these that means that he was taking documents from the early days of his time in the United States Senate. So 1974, the year that Nixon resigned, the Rubik's Cube was invented. Oh, wow. Uh, let's see here. Christian Bale, Ed Helms, Kate Moss, and Seth Green were all born in 1974. So as long as these people have been alive, yes. Joe Biden has had classified documents. All right, here we go. Now we've got the audio. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily open every single aperture I have with house offices, everything for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home, invited them. Nobody... And so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up are things that are from 1974 and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. Now, this is interesting because we have had, you know, we had uh, our buddy J.D. Thomas, who's worked for the Pentagon and other military installations, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. who has handled classified documents. Right. We talked to him about how does this process work, and he told us definitively, there's no way you could unwillingly, mm-hmm. as a U.S. senator, now vice president, president, that's different, but as a U.S. senator, there's no way, which Joe Biden was, 1974, he would have been, there's no way that he could have accidentally taken these documents or documents from there Mm -hmm. unknowingly. So it's not like a stray paper. You willfully would have removed those those sorts of of papers. Yeah, okay, so even, well, 1974, you wouldn't have to worry about your cell phone, right? Yes. But today, they can't take in cell phones. They even have to remove smartwatches, and they have to go into these skiffs. So how did he do it? Why does he have it? Also, can we and we're going to hear another piece of audio here in a second, but he sounds so old. <laughs> like, I'm not even talking about the content of what he's saying, but I'm just saying this delivery. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a world leader, if you are Xi in China or Kim Jong-un or Vladimir Putin or whoever, mm-hmm. and that is what you hear as the leader of America, my goodness, you are just licking your chops to test this guy 
which is why we just had a balloon go all the way across this country. Right. So you're thinking this guy sounds weak. Well, and one thing that I didn't get to, which I could have mentioned, was that Joe Biden is trending. And the reason he's trending is the way he walks, his gait. Oh, some people are saying, you know, when he left the State of the Union address and walked to his car, that the, the way his knees were working, some people are pointing out that it, it's a Parkinson's walk. Well, it, it, I mean, look, the guy's probably got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I mean, he mm-hmm. does not sound well. Now, here he gets asked about China, and he says it's all good because he's talked to China. China today is saying uh, they feel smeared, that you smeared them and their leader in your remarks last night. Have relations now between the U.S. and China taken a big hit, frankly? No. How do you know? I know. I talked to him. You've talked to... (laughs) talked to Xi Jinping before. I... And our, our team talks to their people. During this and yeah, since? Yeah, after this. I haven't talked to him during this. Oh. It's all good, Casey. I've talked to him. And the Chinese are super honest about board people. Their government is really, 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 really honest. Nothing to see here. Just move along. Well, apparently, uh, the U.S. now believes that that balloon yeah. that you mentioned, mm-hmm. it was part of a wider fleet that has spanned five continents. Wow. I don't know if you heard about that one, that the U.S. was not the only target. And this is coming from the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. He said that they are sharing balloons with a dozen, or sharing their information about the balloons with a dozen other countries, even though China is still denying that it was used for any sort of spying purposes. They're still saying it was a weather device blown astray. But the Washington Post, of all of all places, is reporting that not only did they send balloons here, but they sent them to Japan, India, Vietnam, Taiwan, and the Philippines. All right, Casey, when we come back, you have a side piece that is super interesting to me. It is a bit of detail about Hoosiers that mm-hmm. uh, I think our audience would find enthralling. Okay, we'll get to it coming up from 93 WIBC. It is 11.32. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So does eggflation have you cracking up? I see what you did there. Yeah, you like that? According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, soaring egg costs are due to both increased demand and also the avian flu outbreaks. Over 50 million birds have been infected with the virus which has left, uh, well, it, it's left the bird, the, the virus has left the birds and the eggs unfit for human consumption. And many farms are having to get rid of the birds, get rid of the eggs. And if the eggs aren't laying, well, this is where it all comes into play. Of course, the uh, supply chain issues are part of that because farmers use a lot of diesel. And uh, we all know that diesel gas is more expensive than regular gas. And we had uh, Indiana farmer Ryan Schlemmen on the show and we talked about that and eggs and I thought it was fascinating when he said that uh, jumbo eggs come from happy chickens. The happier the chicken, the bigger the egg. How do you know if your chicken likes being on your farm? Look <laughs> at the size of the egg. Right. Are you taking good care of them? But uh, Zipia, using Google Trends. Det- Who? What? 
Zipia. What the, what is a Zipia? Z i p p i a. Yes. They uh, they were using Google Trends oh. and they determined. What what is a Zipia? Do we have any idea what a Zipia is? I think isn't that a, a real estate? Is that what it is? A, okay. I just want to make sure we were all in on the on the uh, conversation here together. Uh, yes, find jobs, salaries, companies, and resume help. There you yeah. go. Boom. There's Zipia. It's a website. Yeah. Okay. So they they did the study and they found out how each state in the country likes to prepare their eggs. Uh-huh. Now, you're not a big egg person, are you? No, I don't eat, I don't eat a lot of breakfast food. I, I just have never found it intriguing, and uh, I eat lunch and dinner, and that's why I'm as well-preserved as I am today. Okay, well, when it comes down to how Hoosiers like to eat their eggs... That went right over her head. Not, not, I got nothing out of that. <laughs> I got not, not, not even a good, not a bad, not a... Just oh. nothing. You just kept rolling. Mm-hmm. I was distracted. Well, I, I don't. It's not part of your show, Kev. You're not the <laughs> broadcaster here. I just. I got nothing. So anyway, carry on. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no more fun of any kind on this show. I'm sorry. How does Indiana like to eat their eggs? Yeah. What's the answer? I, okay. Let me guess. I'm just going to guess because I've not seen the content here. I would say scrambled eggs. Number no. one. No, but that is the most popular. 18 states choose that as their favorite. Oh, 18 states. It is the most popular in 18 states. They said scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs, yeah. yeah. okay. All right. But, but not here but in But not Indiana. here, okay. Right. You going to guess? Over easy? Well, that's got to be it, right? It's yeah. got to be over easy? It is. That's got to be universally the two most popular ways to eat it. I don't even know if I know of another way to eat an egg other than over easy or... Hard boiled. Oh, that counts? Sunny side up. Poached. Oh, we're going yeah, poached, really... Poached is really good, but that takes some effort, I what guess. Is a, what is a poached egg? What is that? Kevin? What? It's like, um, <laughs> gosh, how do, how do I describe this? Is it like, like softer than hard-boiled? Yeah. The egg is still intact, it's though. It's got the runny uh, center, mm-hmm. the runny yolk. But wait, yeah, is the middle. egg still intact? Like a hard-boiled egg is just an egg. Yeah. It's still... A, the egg, it looks like an egg. Is mm-hmm. a poached egg, does it look like an egg? Yes. Yeah, and you put it in this little cup, and you crack it with a spoon, and kind of... Eat it like that. <laughs> Tony Kennett is... Come in here, Tony. Come here. He wants to get in. Why are you you just staring at us like some total creeper through the uh, <laughs> because window you there? Like, do you like poached eggs? Something I you'd love like to... poached eggs. Are you seriously not what? aware of a what a I don't eat breakfast food. Is? I have no idea. I don't eat breakfast food. You don't eat breakfast You sad, pathetic source. Well, I think we all know that, but what what else you got to... What is a, what is a poached egg? Well, as Kevin very adequately described, you crack the egg into swirling water, and it sort of soft boils it while not cooking the yolk all the way through. It's delicious. Yeah, I love that he's, he's like so sophisticated. He's like, you swirl it around. Oh, because if bit. you don't, you're going to have egg soup and it's disgusting. Well, how would I know What's that? What's the uh, the <laughs> meal that you have uh, poached eggs with that I'm thinking of? Eggs it's, Benedict. Uh, yeah, eggs it Benedict. Is the hollandaise sauce. Oh, yeah. So buttery and delicious. I can feel my arteries clogging. Why are you here? <laughs> We're getting ready for my Saturday show. Oh, that's right. You're taking a dual spot now. Yeah, I, are you one to three? Tony Kennett at large? Is that what we're calling it? I think the Tony Kennett show. We're oh, going kind for of boring. extra generic. That's yeah, okay. That's all right. Hey, real quick while we have you, uh, Casey, have we wrapped up the egg conversation to yeah, your, your good. liking? You were at that Hamilton Southeastern <laughs> School Board meeting last night, Unfortunately. Right? Yeah. Tell, tell. Tell us it what happened. It was a crowded room. Oh, it was yes, a crowded tell. room full of very angry, uh, progressive individuals who uh, <laughs> were preening and yelling for three hours after the first hour for just eternity upon eternity. The Indy Star reporter actually fell asleep. Uh, no way. Over, oh, yeah, I have a picture of it. I have a picture. Guy passed out at his desk. 
because they, the progressives have tried to convince the community that Hamilton Southeastern is going to drop mental health from the school and everyone's going to die. It's going to be horrible. And that, of course, is not the case. The, the conservative majority of the board had questions about the strings attached to a federal mental health grant. That's right. So the federal government, because Biden wants to give teachers a raise, but apparently all the money that he's giving to like Hamilton Southeastern is delegated to specifically not go to teachers, which is weird. Is it going it, to administrators? No, it's going to, and I quote, expanding mental health services provided by the school, which I don't have an issue with expanding services provided. However, the grant appears to have several strings attached. Now, I have not read the fullness of the grant application. I did not go to that meeting last night to cover it, but it ended in a catfight in which a liberal member of the board lost her marbles trying to say that the school board had no authority to refuse a grant, which is... uh, not at all how state or federal law works. Yeah, you don't have to take the money. Yeah, you also, the school board has the ultimate authority to accept or reject how money is spent in a district. That's is, is our buddy Ben Orr, is he okay? Was he not, he was not the one He was delivering the fact after fact yeah. after fact. I just want to make sure he wasn't injured. You just or... asked, at one point, you'll, you'll find this funny. So Ben asked, uh, so there is a section that says we have to hire racially diverse staff and Dr. Stokes as she, part of the grant yeah yeah. so Dr. Stokes comes up and says I just want to say for a second that, that all kinds of diversity are important there's lots of kinds of diversity and then all the progressives clapped oh you are brave you are wonderful <laughs> and then Ben's like okay that, I agree but page 14 says racially diverse. Why are we why, why are we setting racial quotas? Yeah. Why are we not just hiring the best teacher, whatever mm-hmm. color they because may be? Because if the, if all the best teachers are black, then we should absolutely hire all the best teachers that are black. Or if all the best teachers are Hispanic or Asian or whatever, we should if it is about the kids, right? Then we should yeah, hire the people that are best Because if you carry that, that logic to its conclusion, if you have 13, let's say let's pretend in this example that 13% of the population at HSE is our black students. Yeah. Let's say 13% of the teachers are also black. Are you not allowed to hire any more black teachers? Yeah, great question. When you set racial quotas, you get mm-hmm. racial results. How about we hire the most qualified people and pay them what the market bears? Well, you mean what's proven to work for all of human history? Mm-hmm. What a novel idea. Why Casey. are places like Brownsburg and Southeastern, why are these places so liberal? Because you have rich progressives who live in fancy three-story suburban McMansions who don't actually do any charity themselves with their money. They don't donate any money. They don't actually spend any time helping the community, but they still want to feel involved, so they get behind these liberal social justice projects to give their lives meaning and to get affirmation from children in the community. It's very sad, pathetic, and desperate. Uh, I'm going to start going to these school board meetings again now in Brownsburg, so can I be like your West Side uh, correspondent? uh, (laughs) If you show up with me, you're going to get pictures. The current progressive theory is that I was at the meeting because apparently they're going to fire Dr. Stokes and make me the new superintendent. <laughs> that's why you were there. That's that's the tweet that I saw this morning. You know, that almost makes me want to run for school board just so I could, and I would run on, I'm going to fire the current superintendent and hire Tony Kennett as the, as the school corporation I'm superintendent. Appara- I'm, that's I'm going to be my whole mastermind. It, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm like the... Uh, I'm like the Bilderberg of Indiana education. You should do that in every suburban Mm -hmm. community. Find at least one candidate to run on at the same time, firing their current superintendent and hiring you as the superintendent. 
talking about empire busy. building. Yes, right. absolutely. <laughs> at this Would rate, you want that job? Uh, at this rate, I mean, I, you're, you're asking for me to be the state superintendent, and all I can say is I would do a heck of a lot better yes. job than Jennifer McCormick I did. agree. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, congratulations on your new show, and uh, thanks for being all uh, snooty on how you eat your eggs. Sorry Tony for Kennett. busting into the studio. <laughs> oh, you apologize. We, need, we needed you. your knowledge. We needed it. Okay, coming up, we've got... Um, Fred Lynn! Potential mayor of Carmel joining Yeah, there's us. all sorts of drama in Carmel, and I love drama in Carmel. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Casey's here, and you know, Casey, one of our uh, one of our favorite pastimes is talk about drama happening in Carmel. Mm-hmm. You know, that just seems to bring the public in like nobody's business. Because I think it's really easy to dislike Carmel. What do you say? I think that there's a lot of reasons <laughs> to give Carmel accolades. Well, you know, here's my thing with Carmel. It's kind of like a TV town, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, that would only exist on a TV show. And let's face it, it's just really nicer than Brownsburg. And I think that when you get right down to it is is the crux of my beef. But uh, big year in Carmel as the mayor, longtime mayor, Jim Brainerd, is mm-hmm. calling it quits. And that means there is, for the first time in, what, 25-plus years, a primary on the Republican side. Well, there's been Republican primary, but an open primary, let's put it that way, for the mayor of Carmel. whole bunch of people running, and one of those folks joins us now. His name is Fred Glenn, joining us on the drivehubler.com hotline. Fred, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. All right, so why are you doing this? Uh, did you draw a short straw? Did you lose a bet? Why would you subject yourself to running for the uh, mayor of Carmel? Well, I ran for it in 19, and it, as you know, we came closer than anybody came to the incumbent that was in there for, I don't know, 20, 28 years or, what, or whatever it was. So my heart has always been in that type of leadership for you know local service, but I was led to believe that uh, this year that it would be him and another challenger. So there was already somebody challenging the incumbent, which didn't happen. And I ran for another office, was burnout as of November uh, after the year I had. But my supporters never wavered. Uh, they came to me right after that election and wanted me to run for this, but I, I did not want to. And then a couple weeks ago, a couple more of them came and said, hey, look, this is the field. We really think that that you'd be better for this, that, that you're the leader that we need for this city. And I told them there's a certain things that I needed. They came to me and came through with that, so I filed at the last minute. I didn't make up my mind to do it until uh, about 10 a.m. the day it was time to file. So I you know, filed at about 10.30 I like, that day. I like that. Sticking it to your opponents at the last minute. That's how I'd do it, Casey, if I were to run yeah. for something again. Well, Fred, what is it that you needed? to run um well i just said hey look i'm gonna need more help than than normal you know i I need commitments to fundraising volunteering uh, and those types of things and you know they started to come through with those those things and i got commitments so i decided to move forward here's the thing casey Uh, i'm I'm making this call on the fly i think we should have every person running on the show or they're welcome to come on because i think carmel actually as much as we like to joke about carmel Given the decline of Indianapolis is probably the next great economic, mm-hmm. you know, echo center, whatever the word is. I mean, is that is that a, mis, a mischaracterization, Fred, that with, it, with the decline of Indianapolis, Carmel is kind of the, the kind of next big thing and there's no stopping Carmel at this point? Well, you kind of struck a chord with me there a little bit, Rob. So you, you talk about decline Indianapolis and people that voted those people in and then come up here and bring those voting patterns to Carmel. 
So that's a little bit of a little bit of a sore spot for me. But yes, I think that that Carmel will continue to do well. I think that we're at a kind of a crossroads here, and we need a different type of leadership to, you know, we don't need to stack things on top of each other. We need to consider things that will serve the public at large. But yeah, I think I think overall, I think that we will continue to do well, and people will continue to want to come here. Fred Glenn is our guest. He's running for the mayor of Carmel. Now you were on what was it? The Hamilton County Council, is that right? Yes. Yeah. All, all right. Yeah. So what did you learn from that terrible experience that will help you in your next terrible political experience? Well, I went in there and actually, I mean, we met right about a year or two before I did that. I yeah. believe, or so two years before we did that. I was and as you know, I was a little more hard nosed back then. I was an activist. Um, I liked you, know, you better back then, to... Fred. I liked you better back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I had to learn to work with other people. Um, it, it was basically coming on there. We were able to form four votes. We uh, get the four votes to form a kind of a more fiscally um, with a, a coalition with more of a fiscal outlook, I should say. Uh, and we were able to basically say, "Hey, this is what the council does." And then the commissioners they were they uh, had their things that they did. Uh, but I think you just learn to collaborate with people and people, you need to let people know, Hey, this is my job. This is what I do. Um, and people will respect that. And I learned that from the County council, the same thing I was doing with, with mayor. Uh, and you know, cause I would have a council I would have to work with as well. So, um, that's what I learned from that experience. And I would respect what the council does after being in that position for eight years. So Fred, the, uh, U S secretary of state, Anthony Blinken said that he was giving high praise to Carmel for the roundabouts and there are more coming in 23 why do you think these roundabouts are so successful that people are loving them um you know i don't know i i think that there's some of the roundabouts are good i don't think we've needed every single roundabout that's been built there's nine million uh, of them fred nine million roundabouts in carmel <laughs> you know there's some of those where they've really done a good job of mitigating traffic there's other places where you see those and uh it it just you know, the traffic flow is no better than it was before. It's more complicated for people to cross the intersection in some of those areas. Uh, there's arguments made for and against it, but I will tell you, people in general like those, mm-hmm. the aesthetics of those and what it, make, it looks like. Uh, the arguments for them, though, from the politicos that want to keep spending the extra money to do that because they do cost more, and they cost more to maintain down the road when they start needing more maintenance. Uh, but the people, uh, the politicos, they're always saying, oh, there's less traffic fatalities. There's, you know, it, it eases traffic flow. So those arguments don't hold water with every single roundabout. But if you go door to door, you talk to the people of Carmel, uh, they actually like them. So you can sit there and say, well, they really don't mitigate traffic as much. They really don't do, they don't really care. They like how they look. So that's, you know, that's what we have. So they get recognized for being safer and also good for the environment. But back to safety, Carmel consistently is recognized for being a safe city with excellent schools. So if you were to become mayor, what would you do or change to keep that momentum? Well, the safe city thing, I think that we have a really good police force here. When you, I just, the election I was in, it, it covered a big chunk of Carmel and all of Delaware Township and Fishers. When you're close to uh, between 96 to 116th Street and Fishers, there's a lot of those residents that are starting to get uneasy when it comes to crime. When you come over to Carmel, you're not hearing that, not yet. Uh, so, I mean, I have to think that our police force is doing a real good job, and you would just have to keep, you know, keep supporting our police and and the job that they do because i think that's a huge part of it okay fred uh, fred fred glenn is our guest he's running for the uh, mayor of carmel by the way yes i think we're gonna do this we're gonna open this up to everybody who is uh running on the republican side because i think carmel is kind of whether i like it or not the 
sort of epicenter of, of stuff going forward. Okay, Fred, but the problem with Carmel is you, the people there, a lot of the people there love to use public money for stuff that interests like them. I'm talking about hotels. I'm talking about reflexive pools. How are you going to combat that? Because you're a conservative, and there's a bottom line. A lot of people who vote for how many reflexive pools or taxpayer-funded hotels can you give me? Well, maybe we're at a crossroads here. Maybe we need to make our case. Look, if you want to build a park, if you want to build, you know, any of that type of stuff, that the, even that, that ice skating rink over there uh, that's in the uh, Chris Kindle market, I get that. All the public can go there. They can all use it because basically the whole city at some point, taxpayers all across the city are forced to pay for it. But when you subsidize a hotel that can't compete in the marketplace, that's a whole different story because you're taxing the entire city for something that 99% of them won't use and some of them can't afford to use, but they're still forced to subsidize that hotel. Um, so yeah, they, they, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. For they, they'd kick. They, I've walked in there a couple times, and thankfully my wife was there because otherwise they'd have given me the boot. Sir, you have come to the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here! You don't belong there. Yeah, I, I think that that that's something that we need to that that we need to talk to voters about, have an honest conversation. Look, you're paying for this. But most of you will never stay here, and some of you may not even be able to afford to stay here. And that's that's an issue when you're taking pe- people's money and doing something that doesn't serve the public at large. Uh, so, you know, I think that if we have that conversation, I also think that we're at a crossroads. Uh, you know, at 19, that was the first time that, you know, somebody was pulling ahead at the end on the issues that I was running on. And the first time somebody ever came that close. So, I mean, we can make arguments for why that turned out there last week, but I think people are starting to recognize that, you know, some of this stuff isn't, you know, what it what it is presented to be to the public, I should say. Um, and also, look, we've built enough uh, and we're going to keep building. We could just concentrate on the downtown core. We don't need to go out to people's neighborhoods all across the city and do this type of density that's supported by TIF tax dollars. All right. Uh, uh, so- Fred, you got a website. People want to learn more about you. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have you on back again before the election. But in the meantime, uh, how could they do that? Uh, well, you got fredglynn.com, but I'm currently updating that, obviously, from, you know, because it's, you know, I, I just was in another endeavor, but it will be updated, and my website is fredglynn.com. I'm your number one fan over there at fredglynn.com. I click it seven times a day. Do you? You're awesome. Well, keep <laughs> clicking it because it makes me feel good when they send me the analytics on that, you know, and make me think people around here are actually doing it. Uh, Fred Glenn, thank you, my friend. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. All right, and that's going to do it for us. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job, and thank you for listening today. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.